Hello and welcome. This is Friend Request. I'm your host, Justin Lamb, and this is episode 25 with my friend, Ryan. I'm really excited for you guys to hear this episode. I do want to take a second and say thank you again for all the continued support and outreach and the likes and the shares and the reviews. If you haven't already, please, please, please go to Apple Podcast app or whatever app you use to listen to the podcast and rate a little five-star rating if you want. Uh, Leave a review if you have a little extra time. And if you're scrolling through Facebook, you can tap on friend request with justin lamb and leave a review and rating there as well i appreciate it so much i'm going to read a couple of those at the end of the episode but i don't want to hold you back because this interview with ryan is really great and he's super tolerant of all my ignorant questions about joining the military and some other stuff so please enjoy my interview with my friend ryan Well, anyway, yeah. hi. <laughs> thanks, thanks for coming over and doing this. Um, and thank you, thank you. Okay, fine. <laughs> uh, I want to start how I know you. We worked together at Longhorn Steakhouse. You did the glories of Longhorn Steakhouse. That was a good time, actually. When you think about yeah. it. But uh, yeah, I knew you from Longhorn, and we would hang out and. Did you play disc golf, didn't you? I did. Yeah, me and Mike Dunning were, yeah. uh, were big on that. Occasionally do some disc golfing and some recreational activities and it's play a... <laughs> euchre. And, and, you, came, uh, you came over to my place for some of those keggers that I would throw around. Yes, I have yes. some funny pictures from those parties. Really? <laughs> that's that's scary. Uh, I mean, other than that, you know, I came back from L.A. We hung out a couple times, and we've seen each other through mutual friends. Mm-hmm. But that's about it. <laughs> I, I like it. Yeah. Um, so let's jump back in time further. Do you have do you have siblings? I have uh, one. He's he's my half brother. Okay. Same mom, different dad, but we don't really make that distinction. Okay. But he's uh, ten ten years younger than me. Gotcha. It was really cool actually because you know we, with him so much smaller, I, I was I kind of helped like raise him as opposed to like us competing for attention or anything. Yeah. We never really had a beef or anything like that that I could ever think of. I mean, nowadays we don't see each other that much. Yeah. Maybe a couple times a year, but it's always like you know we hung out yesterday. Yeah. So well, nine. I mean, nine years. is big gap so I, oh, yeah. I would imagine you weren't like he didn't you didn't have a little brother syndrome with him no point. nothing like that at all really and, and unfortunately actually when my mom passed um i didn't let you know when he was only four so uh you know we didn't live together after that i went to live with my dad he stayed with his father and then that was you know for a while there we would see each other maybe like once a week he because he was he was living down off a of telegraph somewhere um and i would go there once a week you know bring pizza watch pokemon with him that's how i got into it originally yeah Back when the show was like originally on the air, yeah, and um, yeah, so we're, we're we're pretty close. That's cool. Um, your parents are together when you're born. They were, yeah. What do your mom and dad do? Uh, well, you know, like I said, mom passed away when I was 13. And well, I, when, when you were born, what were they doing? Oh, she was an engineer for Chrysler. I don't remember oh, okay. what kind though. Just an engineer. Yeah, that's all I ever knew. Um, she did get her master's when I was a kid though, so she was uh, moving up the chain, I guess. But you know, as a, as a little kid, I never really paid yeah. attention to it. Yeah. It was just, you know, that mom's an engineer. Yeah. And my old man was uh, working at Mount Clemens General Hospital in the, uh, a- he-, he was heading up their AV department. So he would like, you know, oh, okay. it basically in the late 80s, early 90s, if you ever saw a, a, a commercial yeah. for Mount Clemens General, he did it. Nice. And uh, yeah, he, he's, he was there for like 20 years, but then he started branching off into, mar- you know, marketing and uh, and what have you. So. Yeah. That, uh, so you that, had pretty good, I mean, career-wise, you had pretty good role models in your parents. Yeah, I'd say so. Engineer and, uh, and a, in like, 
marketing and AV stuff. Yeah, I mean, like he was a head of a department, really. Yeah. So I'm an AV nerd, so I would. <laughs> I'm all over that. <laughs> I was like, that sounds cool. <laughs> I just it's hilarious now because he used to have like a room full of machines, like the big ones that now oh, all fit on a phone. Yeah, yeah. Or like or like editing software. Yeah, all the a, beta decks and stuff. Yeah, it was yeah. like like you had to like actually put a VHS <laughs> yeah. tape in and rewind it. Yeah, the little dial rewinder. Mm-hmm. Oh, I miss those. We had a media studio in high school that I like I was obsessed with that shit. Obsessed. I loved mm-hmm. it. I tried to buy stuff online and which back in the day like even That was dangerous. Even in like 2000 finding one of those on eBay or something it was Super expensive. <laughs> oh yeah, I mean, just because of the size. I wonder. I wonder if you can still find that now. Probably, it's probably more expensive now because it's vintage. <laughs> yeah, you, you wouldn't actually use it. It would just be like, hey, look what I have. Yeah, it'd be like your shirt. So, dad's doing AV stuff. Mom's an engineer. Mm-hmm. Um, when do your parents get divorced? I was five. Okay, uh, but I, I honestly don't remember like oh, really? it happening or anything. So like, it wasn't really all that traumatic. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Maybe it was just because. I mean, maybe I was self centered. Maybe it as is a kid. traumatic, and you blocked it out. Oh my god! <laughs> I mean, it, it never really bothered me that much because yeah. they, uh, like, again, like you know, I was five, so any sort of cognitive memories you have before then are like maybe just like images. Yeah. yeah. So there was no like you know big moment of daddy leaving or anything like oh. that. So it was probably the most undramatic divorce ever because they were fine with each other afterwards i mean my mom never never said a bad thing about him oh that's nice i mean that's that's super healthy oh i know no, like <laughs> believe you me like I, I know plenty of people who are either the children of divorce or nowadays who are you know we're all getting older you know div- yeah. I, mean, I, I got one under my belt myself yeah we'll get there and <laughs> also very undramatic i'm happy to say yeah, but but um yeah so I mean, he was uh, i saw him every other weekend yeah. with dinners on wednesdays we always went to the max and irma's over at uh on Adams and Walton, which is uh, gone now. Yeah, but uh, no, but you know, saw the magic show. I mean, it was it was fine, you know. And he he was always very involved in um, pretty much all my extracurriculars because being the head of an AV department, he could just leave if he wanted to and yeah. and have an underling do, do something for him. That sounds like he stayed in the area. And... Yeah, like he was he coached all my baseball teams, like you know, most of my hockey teams as I was growing up. Yeah. Um, so it's not like your parents got divorced and all of a sudden your dad wasn't in the picture. No, not at it all. It sounds was, like he was pretty active. Yeah, I mean, yeah, he's actually gone on record saying that it was the dumbest thing he ever did. <laughs> um, but you know, he, he wasn't he wasn't very mature back then. He, yeah. he he'll fully admit it. I don't mind saying it because he said it to me. Um, how long after that do your, does your mom get remarried? I was eight. She okay. married. Uh, I, I refer to him as my stepdad, but yeah. you know, I had a real dad. So just for brevity's sake, yeah. yeah. Uh, his name his name's Joe, and he was also an engineer for Ford. So we had the Ford engineer and the Chrysler engineer, a, a never-ending source of dumb jokes on that one. <laughs> and, uh, you know, he, he was all right. You know, we uh, we butted heads, but, you know, we got along fine. Yeah. Um, I never felt like he was trying to replace my old man or anything. Yeah. And then uh, when my brother came along shortly after that, you know, I'm like, oh, you know, that's cool. So they yeah. like, so got married a year later, they have your brother? and Yeah. I mean, like, as I got, as I got older, I got into the teenage years, you know, right before my mom passed, that was... That's when we started really button heads a little bit. I remember there was one time in particular we got into this stupid fight over the fact that I had a chain wallet. I don't know why it was it is, it, is, it was such a burr up his ass, but he just he hated the fact that I had that thing. Yeah, and I it was one of those long obnoxious ones too. Oh, yeah, I, yeah. I was the same thing. Oh yeah, that was that was before <laughs> I started buying Jenko jeans too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think we we might have had very similar fashion. I've seen some of the old uh, no, some of the older pictures that you've posted on Facebook. I'm like yeah. I had I had that visor. Yeah, <laughs> I actually did I had have, that I had billabong. A, I, I had a Kangol, Kangol visor nice. that I actually styled my hair around. Nice when I had it. Yeah, that was short lived. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
what uh, what happens to your mom? Well, that's um, that's, you know, now we're getting into the sad stuff. Yeah. When I was eleven, she was uh, like, you know, just really, really sick. Okay. And finally, and but she was also the kind of person where like, I don't go, I don't go to the doctor unless I'm dying. Yeah. You know, go yeah. figure. I, I, irony. Um, but I actually convinced her. I'm like, we, we, mom, will you please just go. You've been, you've been lying in bed for like two weeks. I mean, come on. Yeah. This, this is getting out of hand. And so, you know, to placate the little 11 year old me, she went and she was eventually diagnosed with uh, colon cancer. Oh, jeez. And it was, it was a long fight actually though, because it went from the colon, eventually spread to the liver. The, she went through the chemo and everything, you know, lost a shit ton of weight, you know, lost her hair and everything. Um, and then, but then they did a surgery and after some of the chemo and it was gone. It was, uh, they got it. And, you know, we, so we, we thought it was done. You know, she started putting some weight back on, her hair was growing back. And I was, uh, I don't remember who exactly said it or when it was, it was done, but we were told that there's like a, maybe like a 5% chance that there could be a remission and it could come back. Yeah. And damn it. They're part of that 5%. And then of that 5%, there was even a more of like a minuscule chance that it could attack like, you know, the brain, yeah. which is what happened. And, you know, this, you know, with, once you get brain cancer, man, I mean, that's, yeah, that's kind of, you know, it's just a matter of time at that point. Cause I, I, my understanding is that you're very limited in what you can do up there. Like, you know, I don't know if you can use radiation or all that stuff, you know, on, on with when your brain's right there. I have no yeah. idea. I just don't remember. But, um, she was a real fighter though. Yeah. And um, she she never had a shitty attitude about it. She never felt sorry for herself. She was always just so damn determined that she was going to beat it. Her goal was like, I want to see you and your brother at eighteen. Yeah. If a- after that, you know, the good Lord can take me. Yeah. So unfortunately, we didn't get there. Yeah. That was uh that sucked though, man. Because like right before, and not not to like you know make it all about me or anything. Well, I mean but... that is literally the like most formative, roughest part of. A teenager's life is like I was, yeah, yeah i was just gonna get to that it's like you know i i was i was 13 i was about to turn 14 yeah and it was it's funny because at the time i thought i was handling it very well with an adult's retros retrospective i was like wow did i did i go down a fucking hole yeah. <laughs> just uh you know after after that you know i got into like music and everything yeah. but i also just got into a lot of a lot of like self-destructive tendencies yeah. and also outward destructive tendencies i got into vandalism you know, and it started off with like little bullshit, like you know, egging things, yeah. or then then that upgraded to like you know, you know, knocking out mailboxes. Yeah. And it really got bad when uh, I got my license and everything. I started driving, and we're talking like you know, taking my '93 Dodge Caravan and doing donuts on people's lawns. You know, taking out mailboxes with pumpkins. It just came out in aggression. Yeah, I mean, yeah. and it's it was it was nuts because at the time, like I said, it didn't it didn't it's just it felt like hijinks. Yeah. To me. But in retrospect, I'm like, I mean, the, I, I will say this, the worst thing I ever did, and I'm not proud of this at all. Uh, like, I, I can't even, like, you know, shake my head and chuggle at it now. I had, Do you know what a valve core remover is? No. It's the, it basically, like, you know, like, you know when you fill up your, t- your car tire, there's that little pin oh, that's yeah, sticking yeah, up? Oh, yeah, 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 The valve yeah, core remover, it takes it, 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 it takes out. It out yeah. And once it's out, you can't put it back in, yeah, and no. that tire is useless. I worked in, I worked in tires. Yeah. I know. <laughs> Um, there was one, there was one night where me and, you know, some compatriots, some of whom, you know, actually, but will remain nameless. <laughs> we went around and I think we, we destroyed the tires on like 30 cars. Jeez. No, dude. I mean, it was, it's so not cool. Yeah. Like, yeah, at the time we're like, ha, 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 ha. but now I'm thinking like, Jesus, like, you know, somebody could, you know, that's a major repair. Somebody could have lost their job. I mean, just, it was, it was bad, man. Yeah. I just, I think, uh, subconsciously I was just, I was just pissed. Yeah. 
because you know my mom was a wonderful woman i mean she 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 bent over backwards for me would you know would do would do anything for anyone yeah and i think i felt kind of cheated I'm did like, your dad or stepdad put you in therapy or anything when after your mom passed uh, I ended up in therapy a little bit, but it was only it was court ordered. Okay. <laughs> well, because again, I mean, if you go around doing that kind of yeah, that yeah, kind yeah. of shit, eventually you're going to get pinched. Well, I'm just I'm trying to figure out like if you even had if anybody even offered you an outlet because I mean you you at that age like that's I mean I, I don't I don't blame him for it, but my old my, my dad went from like you know every other weekend to suddenly inheriting a you know full time yeah, dad yeah. status of a of a kid who just lost his ma. Yeah. And he, you know, he was he was always how do I phrase this. <laughs> he, he, well, he, he was all, he was living his own life. Yeah, you know, I, I was certainly a big part of it. But again, like that's a big, it's a big transition to make. Yeah, like I like right now, for instance, I I, I share my kids with their mom week on week off, so it's fifty fifty. But even now, like I, I think I think to myself, it's like, geez, what if I suddenly had them all the time? That would be a big change, and I'm and I'm living it now as it is. Yeah, he was he was you know every other weekend in a in a weekday dinner, so he he was still going out and doing his thing. I was kind of left to my own devices. He was he, he was always of the mindset where it's like you know you 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 learn to make your own mistakes yeah which I mean that's one way to do it but I made a lot <laughs> you definitely <laughs> definitely learned that lesson um, how did your dad take your mom he felt pretty bad about it actually he was in he was out of the country when uh when she passed actually and um, you know like I said they, they they stayed friends throughout the years yeah. so. I mean, we never really talked about it, though. To tell you the truth, I never asked him how you know how do you feel about this. I mean, he cried at the funeral. Yeah, that's well, that you know, but the, you know, so did everybody else. Yeah, um, that's you know, so I really don't know. Huh. I think that the the, uh, the one thing that I think I'm, I'm trying to remember, actually, when he said the stupidest thing I ever did was leave was leaving her. That was after she died. So maybe so I guess we did have a conversation some, about some it. regrets there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, and. Yeah, it's just no. It's just a tragic situation overall. Yeah, what are you going to do? That's terrible. And, and it just and like I said, it escalated to the point where like I was getting in trouble with the law. I mean, I got locked up when I was seventeen. Oh wow. Yeah, I know. I mean, like yeah. you know, yeah, I did time. <laughs> I did a week in OCJ. That was it. Oh, you got a week at seventeen. I know. Well, I guess uh, so. They didn't send you to juvie. They just were like, oh. no, it was like just straight up jail. Wow. And uh, but I wasn't about to tell anybody that I was from Rochester because. You know, little white kid from Rochester, did, yeah. you don't do well yeah. in that environment. But I mean, again, it's jail. Like, you know, no one's getting, no one's getting raped or anything like that. But you yeah. can get your ass kicked real easy. Saw that plenty. That's crazy. Yeah, it was, uh, it was weird. But that was, uh, that was the low point. That's when I at least, you know, stopped fucking up and, and doing illegal stuff. Yeah. How old were you when you started? When I met you? When you started at Longhorn? I was nineteen when we opened. You opened the place. You opened yeah. the place with this, didn't? Yeah. yeah. I was nineteen. Okay. Um. So what happens? Do you graduate high school on mm-hmm. time? Yep. What happens? Just after barely. Because <laughs> well, I, I was I was going to a private school uh, before my mom died, uh, U of D Jesuit. Okay. And uh, still, you know, great institution. I didn't I didn't I didn't respect it enough where for when I was there. Yeah. But I just you know I wanted to hang with my friends and you know actually, you know, not have to drive an hour to school every day. So yeah. I I begged my dad to stop sending me, and he couldn't afford the, the tuition after she passed anyway. So no, I graduated from Adams in '02. Um, had to go to summer school to, to make up for it though, because some of the religious classes at U of D didn't transfer over. Yeah. So I was a senior in like freshman biology, nice. which was, you know, that was, that was fine. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, no high school was fun. I don't remember my senior year that much. Yeah. Such as life. Too much weed. <laughs> <laughs> um, so you graduate high school. Do you have any aspiration to go to college at that point? Not really. Okay. I mean, I did, but twice I started going and then just stopped. Okay. Um, how old are you when you join or decide to join military? 
That's a good question, actually, because I almost uh, I almost enlisted twice before I actually did. The first time, um, when I was 18, I was going to go in with my buddy Danny, Danny Brockhouse, and um, we were going to go into the Airborne, you know, be, you know, be, be paratroopers, you know, be cool. Yeah, going into the infantry in the army is just it. It's not. It's not smart. Don't do that. <laughs> I mean, it's like, you know, we need we need those guys. Don't yeah. get me wrong, but it's you know, it's it's a, it's a hard gig. It's, but it's like you know, if you want to be a soldier in the movie, like in the movies, yeah, go yeah. be go, go be a doughboy. Go be in the infantry. Um, I got into a business, a uh, multi level marketing uh, company though at the time that I was really into because I didn't know any better. What was it called? Uh, Team of Destiny. It was uh, it was an offshoot of Quickstar. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> it's gone now. Okay. <laughs> no, no, I got really into that, and so like I, I didn't want to. I didn't want to. I wanted to pursue that. Yeah. And uh, but anyways, that didn't pan out. Then when I was twenty, I was going to go in, and this time I was going to be a medic, because I, I, you know, I've I've dabbled in in the medical field. Like I went to nursing school for a little while, but I, oh, just, okay. I never really finished it up, going into it for the wrong reasons. But I'll cover that later. <laughs> and uh, that time, a girl kept me out. You know, I you know, thought I was in love. And, and ironically, she ended up marrying my best friend, oh. <laughs> but they split up too. <laughs> and uh, so I didn't do it then. And then finally, sorry, I got him. No, you're good. Yeah. When I was 22, uh, I was I wasn't at Longhorn anymore. I was working at Applebee's over uh, by OU, and you know, just living with Ryan Bolak and Scott Kinney. We were just playing WoW, yeah. you know, just just doing our thing. And it was kind of funny because I had like an epiphany. I was I was just Sitting in my undies at, at my dining room table where we had all our computers networked together at like three o'clock in the afternoon, just drinking a bottle of Burnett's. <laughs> and, and it just, and it, Justin, I swear to God, it just smacked me in the face. And I'm just like, oh my God, I'm a loser. Just in your underwear at three in the afternoon on your computer. Uh, yeah, on, on, a, on, a, on a Wednesday afternoon. Yeah. Just like, I'm like, this isn't, this isn't normal. Yeah. I, and it, it was right, it was, that was it. I'm like, if I don't do this, I'm never going to. And so literally, still half drunk, I got dressed and went down to the recruiting office and, you know, talked to Corporal Borkhart, you know, guy I had met before, uh, two years prior. It was really funny, actually, because when I first went to see him, I was the very first recruit that he ever worked with. And then as I came in two years later, I was the very last one he worked with before he he changed details. He wasn't a recruiter anymore. And I I was still going through the last vestiges of legal trouble then, too. I had a suspended license that I got pinched on. And so I was doing... um, wham weekends you ever heard of those no it's, i mean yeah but no it stands for weekend <laughs> alternative for misdemeanors you basically like, like you know the people that are on the side of the highway pick yeah, up yeah, trash yeah, yeah. it's that so you're like doing community service yeah stuff. but i was gonna but i i was gonna leave in 30 days and i had like eight weekends worth of so i was doing it every day yeah but i didn't have a car to drive so this this, this guy would actually my recruiter would pick me up in the morning and drive me there nice yeah, I know. I, I must. I don't know why he did that, but that was because uh, he wanted you to. Do. I guess you know. And he, this is in 06, mind you. When so, like you know, Iraq is still popping off pretty hot. They needed bodies. Yeah. And I wanted to be, uh, and be, you know, I'm kind of to get into the philosophical aspect of it. I felt that I had being such a shitty teenager. Yeah. And like a shitty young adult, just all the bad crap I did. I felt that I had to do you know serve as something that was bigger than myself. But I also had to do it in a, in a legit, what I felt was legitimate way. Okay. Now, don't get me wrong. And anybody who signs the dotted line has got my respect. Yeah. You know, because, you know, oh, yeah. it's, Absolutely. It's, it's still the military. Yeah. You know, you can die doing it. But I was like, no, I got to do, I got to do it. I got to do a combat job. I got to, I got to see, I got to fight. See, to, so, make, to make up for it, you know? So I became a tanker. Yeah. 
I want to jump back real quick. Yeah. Because uh, this is. I told this you is, I get long winded. No, you're good. <laughs> um, this is just. This always fascinates me, and this kind of goes along the same lines of like religion. Like I'm not a religious person, but mm-hmm. like when people have very strong religious feelings or or experiences, I'm like always very curious because I'm like, what's that like? Mm-hmm. Um, but the military is like 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 you just said anybody that signs up like absolutely because because i'm not doing it nor nor would i have when i was able to (laughs) like uh but you know where would our country be without the people that do you know uh but i i try to understand like the mindset the decision making process that goes into that like and some people it's you know my dad was my grandpa was like it's a family it's a legacy thing almost right you see that and then some people are come from like a background where like what the fuck else am i going to do is their is their feeling um i mean what was your mindset you kind of touched on it a little already where it was just like i need to make up for the shit that i've done well i mean i I, I i'd always been interested in in the military just in general yeah because you know there's a bit of a legacy on my on my family too um you know great grandfathers fought in world war one one for canada one for austria um my great uncle was in World War II. My dad's cousin was in Vietnam. I had a cousin who was in Desert Storm. But it wasn't like it wasn't like a an acknowledged thing. Like yeah, Purple just become soldiers. Well, yeah. Like I feel like all our grandparents were in. Yeah, you kind of had to in, yeah. that, in that regard. <laughs> but um, no, but there's also a lot of like you know you know cops in my family. Okay. My grand my granddad was. I have an uncle. I have a co- again the same thing. Yeah. So I guess we've always sort of you know perpetrators have always sort of aimed that direction okay um but you know my, my dad had a whole bunch of like you know you know military history books around the house i i was fascinated by it yeah. so i think on some aspect i always it was always a, a, so a, 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 possi- a possibility yeah but yeah like but you know actually pulling the trigger and doing it i'm glad i did it when i did because i think i did it for the right reasons at that point um it's like wanted to get your shit together and i needed i mean dude like i said three 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 o'clock on a wednesday chugging a bottle yeah. of vodka in your underwear i mean yeah. it doesn't get much worse than that and i'd imagine there's nowhere more disciplined to get your shit together than the military yeah and, it, and it's a and i'll tell you what i mean like you get out it sounds very cliche but you get out of it exactly what you put into it like yeah. if, if you buy in and you know and it's a strange thing because you are giving up your individuality that's what basic training is all about i yeah. never knew it until after the fact but it, it is a very very precise scientific method of breaking you down oh, yeah. And, and as an individual, and then building you back up, feeling pride as being a cog in a machine, because yeah. that's how the military has to work. Yeah, you, you, it you, doesn't you, work otherwise. No, I was, <laughs> I was just going to say, like, you, the, the, that that entire entity just cannot function under the civilian mindset. It just, it can't. Yeah. Um, but it's, it was a strange thing, though. The first time I ever, a drill sergeant ever yelled at me, what, you know, what the fuck's wrong with you, Private? You trying to be an individual? And, at the, and my first reaction was, oh, shit, no, 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 I'm not. I swear to God, I'm not. And then afterwards, I'm like, wait a minute. What, what did I just think? What did I just say? Yeah. But so that, that, was, that was a strange but good transformation for me at the time. Yeah. And, uh, no, I mean, I did, I did not to pat myself on the back, but I did fairly well. I got, you know, I got promoted out of basic training. Like, you know, there's a, it was a program called Excellence in Armor. Where basically you're just like you know you're the king shit private. Um, it's the top ten percent of the graduating class. I was in there, and you get you get promoted because of it. I got a waiver to get promoted to specialist after eighteen months, and I was a non commissioned officer three years to the day after I enlisted. Nice. So uh, and yeah. then you went. So you went over there and and fought, right? Yeah. I mean, you're, for lack of a better term. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I mean, you were in combat. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, nowadays, though, with an all volunteer force, like you're really not going to see combat unless you unless you want to. Yeah. 
Um, now, I mean, that's not to say, like, you know, again, over there it was, you know, there's no front line, so to speak. So just it can randomly pop off. And if you're, like, you know, you, you work at the S-Shop, which is basically like admin, you've obviously been trained to fight, but yeah. you don't do it all the time. So, I mean, it, like I said, it can happen any time. But, yeah. yeah, we were – I was stationed at Fort Hood, and we went over in November of 07, and it was during the surge when uh, when W was president. Yeah. And then we were there for all of 08, and we came back in February of 09. So it was a 15-month deployment. And, uh, yeah, my Army experience was very tan. You got Texas, which is, you know, not 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 too green, where we were at. And then I was up in Mosul, which is about 200-something miles north of Baghdad. It was the second second largest city in the country, and I think it had the biggest Christian population as well. And there were 5,000 of us um, trying to, you know, operate in a city of 2 million people. Yeah. I'll, I'll be honest, man. It was the Wild West when we first got there. Yeah. But we, uh, we were... a I was part of a third armored cavalry regiment. So we were the size of a, a BCT, a, b- a battalion combat team, which is usually how units were, you know, spread out. Okay. But um, we were kind of independent because just, you know, we were officially cavalry. Yeah. So um, we we operated somewhat independently, but it was just us up there. And did you lead the team? No, at the time okay. I, I did not. Okay. I was, um, I went over there as a, as a private uh, tank. I was driving the tank at the time, but we couldn't, you know, drive tanks down the middle of, of a busy city streets. Yeah. So we had them. We used them every once in a while, but really it was just all, all Humvees and uh, they're called uh, MRAPs. I forgot what the, what the what it stands for, but it's like a, it's like a ten foot tall, really ugly looking, armored vehicle that was meant to be resistant to uh, IEDs. Improvised Mobile explosive. reconnaissance armored patrol. Sure. That's <laughs> <laughs> like what could that? I don't stand remember. For? Like I said, I don't remember what it stands for, but um, yeah. And but yeah, I mean, it was a. Uh, yeah, it, it was what it was, you know. Yeah, that's uh, it. Just it sounds. I mean, to be blunt, it sounds so scary. <laughs> like especially, especially thinking about all the stuff you see um, when you say Humvee. Like the first thing I think of is like, oh, IEDs. <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, everything I, I see in the news or in movies is always like a Humvee getting blown the fuck out of the road on an IED. Oh, I mean, the the guys uh, who went over there before us, like the guys who went over in 0304, they, they're the they're the heroes in my book because they they didn't have the up armored Humvees like we had. Yeah, I mean, like you know, over the over time, you know, they you know the military does what it has to do to readjust in the battle space. So, the, but the, yeah, you know, the up armored Humvees can you know they can take a they can take an IED, but they can't take an RPG. Yeah, but uh, that's crazy. Yeah, it was uh, it was what it was, and it it, it was scary at first because you know you just don't know. Yeah, but at, the only way in my mind that a soldier can function like that is to just simply don't think about it. Yeah. You just have to do like just just do your job. Yeah, you and job honest to God, if it's your time, it's your time. You know, I I knew guys who had more close calls than I'd care to mention and I also knew a major who never le- never left the FOB, forward operating base. That's where we lived basically. Mm-hmm. Guy never left there, went to a port of shitter one day and I got and got killed by my mortar. That's crazy. I know. So it's just I mean when you see shit like that, it's like you can't. You know, what are you going to do? Yeah, you know, yeah. you've been you've been trained. Yeah. You have a job to do. All you can do is just do it. And if you get zapped, well, that's that's it. You know, because you you, you're going to you're going to drive yourself fucking crazy. Oh yeah. And yeah. I mean, I saw I saw guys do that too. Like you know, that's they, they, you can't operate like that. Yeah. You know, the, the, the slightest sound sets you off, and you're like, oh my god, what is that? And you, yeah. the, a soldier can't function that way. Well, yeah, I imagine like you also have to be 
a little more laser line focused than to be triggered that easily. Oh yeah, that's <laughs> true. I mean, but I think also to volunteer for that sort of thing, you yeah. have to be a little not like in an unhealthy way, but you got to be a little unhinged in the first place. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, just just to join up at all in my mind, yeah. but then to volunteer for that, you know, yeah. especially, you know, with a lot of you know, a lot of time to think about it after the fact. You know, when we were over there, we, we tried to do it as best we could. Yeah. You know, we weren't like, you know, there was rules of engagement. You know, we tried to be nice to people as much as you can. Yeah. But, I mean, let's be honest. We were an occupying force. Yeah. And the the analogy that I always came up with was, yes, you know, we, we can try to be cool with these people. But just imagine you're sitting in your living room and I suddenly, wa- I, I kick in the front door um, you know, throw a gallon of paint all over the room, shoot, you know, shoot your dog, and then, you know, and then tear up your couch. And then I offer to move in and help fix it up and make it better than it was when, when it, before I got there. <laughs> you might appreciate the fact that I'm trying to fix things, but really all you're going to remember is how I got there in the first place. Yeah. <laughs> maybe it's a good analogy, maybe it isn't. But, yeah, hey. but you know, the people, the people were, some of them were cool to us, some of them tried to kill us. You yeah. Know? It's, that's just what it was. Yeah. So you're over there 15 months. Mm-hmm. Um, and then what happens when you get back? Because you're not active now. No, my right? God, no. That was I, I got out like 10 years ago. Okay. Um, so how does how does that work? Like, what are the what's the fulfillment where you get to like honorably leave and? That's a good question. Um, at least at the time, I'm pretty sure it's still this way. Whenever you enlist, you actually are giving an eight year commitment okay. of sorts, X number of years on active duty. We're that that that's that's what you do. Like you know, you live, breathe. That's in military that it's full time. Yeah. Um, and then there's a number of years where you're in the inactive reserve. Okay. Where like you know, if World War Three pops off, they, they you know you they call yeah, you right yeah. back up. Um, a lot of guys were getting, uh, they called it, you might remember this, uh, stop loss. Yeah. Yeah. That was where, you know, guys were originally, cause like my original term of duty was four years active, four years inactive. Okay. But, um, for some guys it was like, you know, that, that four years, the military can be like, Oh, now it's going to be six. That, that's, that's kind of, that's kind of what stop loss was. I got lucky that didn't happen to me. Yeah. Um, but, uh, when we got back, you know, I had about a year plus change left, uh, you know, that I owed. Uh, I could have gone back a second time. It, it wasn't my, my choice or anything, but they just my my. It was funny actually because the day I left, you know, Fort Hood forever was the day that my old unit deployed for for another time. Wow. I know it was it was really bittersweet actually because like you know these guys you know I got up crazy ass early because you know all, all my buddies are leaving. Yeah. And I was saying my goodbyes to them while they're going overseas and I'm leaving. Yeah. So it felt kind of weird. Like a small part of me was like, man, I should be I should be going with them again. Yeah. But I'll be honest, you know, 15 months, that was enough. <laughs> yeah. So I did, so I did enough to where I, I refer to it as the most fun I never want to have again. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and me and my ex, uh, you know, we were getting together at the time, you know, we wanted so to. So you met her in the military? Oh, that's a funny story, actually, how that happened. Yeah. Yeah. Let's segue into that. <laughs> yeah. So, um, and, you know, it's unfortunate we're not together any longer, but I always thought that the way that we met was really crazy. So do you remember MySpace? I do fondly. Yes. Um, well, one, long story short, I got my bell rung pretty good, and I couldn't go on missions for uh, for a while, and so there was nothing for really me to really do except hang out at the USO. Okay. And they at the USO they have like you know ping pong, TV stuff for you to keep you entertained, yeah. and they also had free internet, nice. which you know you, you didn't get that very often. So yeah. it's like ooh sweet. Especially at that that time, I'm sure. Exactly. Yeah. If MySpace is around. This is not a time of <laughs> internet everywhere. No. Um. And I, I would just, I guess, got a random like you know friend request or whatever it was on there from this pretty cute chick from Metamora, and I'm like, huh, I'm, I, I got nowhere to be for the next twelve months. Let's uh, <laughs> let's give this a shot, right? Yeah. But the funny thing about it is, like, cause she she reached out to me initially. Yeah. 
But when uh, my MySpace profile, like I wasn't into social media or anything, yeah. but like I remember uh, they had the like, g- gang wars or mob wars on there. Yeah. So a buddy of mine before before <laughs> I we yeah, about that. I did too. It's probably better <laughs> for the better. But a buddy of mine before we even deployed, yeah, he needed more people for his mob, and he's like, "Perp, you know, make a MySpace profile and join my mob." I'm like, "Dude, that shit looks fucking stupid." No. <laughs> and he's well, I'll just make it for you then. And I'm, I'm like, fine, whatever. Yeah. And he didn't know where I was from originally. So he uh, he just wrote that I was from Colleen, Texas, which is the town next to Fort Hood. <laughs> so uh, my ex, she, she she just randomly clicked on my picture because she thought I was cute, but didn't realize that I'd actually grown up in Rochester a half hour away from her. Yeah, yeah. So what are the fucking odds of that? That's funny. I know when you think about it, because like you know, I could have been from like literally anywhere. Yeah. And like Texas. <laughs> yeah. Or, and like, but like, you know, and, but after the fact, it's like, you know, how would that have worked? You know, we couldn't, we couldn't spend physical time together or anything like that, but we got to know each other really well, just talking online. And, uh, when I went home on mid tour leave, uh, it was in May, uh, we, we hung out for like the two weeks that I was there. And then by the time I was, um, shipping back stateside, we were talking about getting hitched and we actually gotten married without even having spent 30 days in each other's physical company. Huh? I know it's it was nuts. Um, made it six years, got two great kids out of it, so no how, re- uh, no regrets. But how long are you married before you have your first kid? Uh we got got married in February, and then he came along about about a year plus change. Okay. Yeah, yeah, like because uh, February and then June, uh, the next year. Or so yeah, and you have a son. Mm-hmm. I got so two. you're so you're out of the military at this point. Yeah, like I I got out in September of uh, 2010. So okay. How did how did that work? Because that's less than eight years, right? Right. That was because uh, I went in in August of '06, and then my active duty time was done in September 2010. Technically, I wasn't free of my obligation until okay, 2014. Okay, so there was technically four more years. Yeah, but you where, didn't, where I could have yeah. been called back up. Did you have to do stuff like weekends no. or something? No, that's uh, I mean I could have okay. if you if you want to go like active reserve. Yeah, yeah, and uh, and continue get, accumulating time and everything. But I, I was done. What's those know? four years? You're just a name on a list, just in case. Yeah, essentially. Okay. And like they send they send you like you know your official discharge paperwork. It's yeah. saying like you know you're officially done. You got your honorable discharge, and then you don't have to worry about it anymore. Do you ever have like? fear creeping in especially after you start having kids where you're like well shit what if like what if something nah. I was, at that point i wasn't really thinking about it i mean okay. the, the chances of getting called back in were so remote okay i mean at, at that point like you know stop loss was kind of like petering out they didn't really need it as much you know and by 2010 you know we were still there of course but yeah. we weren't like we weren't operating at the same level and, and intensity that we were yeah so, I mean, the, the possibility was there, but, you know, it wasn't a big deal. Nice. And, I mean, if worse came to worse and I did have to go back, well, then we just, okay. <laughs> Not like you had much choice in the matter. And, and and my ex was always very, very, she was she was very understanding about that. You know, despite the fact that we didn't work out, she understood that being a military spouse, the military comes first. Yeah. And that's that's the way they want it, and that's yeah. the way it has to be. They they own you for Yeah, I mean, they, they, they really do. So, and yeah, I think it's one reason why the divorce rate's so high in that line of work is because, you know, it's people have a hard time wrapping their heads around that and that's yeah. understandable well i imagine too and like obviously you don't have to get into any of this but like the come down depending on how much like how active you are and how mm-hmm. how often you're engaged over there like i imagine coming down back into society like that's that's a huge problem right now in society right like yeah a lot, a lot of vets have and, like that yeah um ptsd and just becoming like a civilian instead of a soldier i imagine that mindset change it's crazy. <laughs> it can it can be like I did take the the soldier's mindset with me in my in my professional endeavors afterwards. Yeah, 
which is good. Because, well, there's some discipline stuff, right? That works. Yeah, but also the biggest thing is that everything else kind of gets the volume turned down. Yeah. Afterwards, it's like you know, you know, you've been through potentially like the worst thing that you're ever going to have to deal with. Yeah. You know, the, you know, the most unideal scenarios, you know, the, the most discomfort, like, you know, sitting in a fucking tank at 120 degrees, you know, just like, yeah. you could, I can always look back on those experiences and be like, hey, man, what you're dealing with now ain't shit. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, and I, I didn't, I didn't really have like PTSD, so to speak. I did exhibit like some symptoms, but only for a little while. Yeah. Um, like, you know, bad dreams. There was one time in particular when... There was one time where she was uh, she was back home in Michigan and I was at the house by myself and I heard her, I heard like a noise or something. And even though consciously I'm like, this is ridiculous. I don't actually need to be doing this. But I actually got a weapon and cleared the house just making sure there was nobody there. Yeah. And again, weirdly enough, I'm thinking to myself, this is ridiculous. There's no one in the fucking house. Yeah. You know, or even if there is, you know, whatever. But I, I still, I could not lie back down until I actually inspected every part of the house and made sure that nobody was there. Yeah. So, like, just, like, that level of alertness and, like, you know, ha- having your uh, your string wound really tight, that took a little while to loosen back up again. Yeah. But um, I don't I mean, I know guys who had it way worse than me. Oh, like, yeah. You know, I mean, like, 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 straight up mental breakdowns, yeah. you know, can't can't hold down a job. Some of them are, like, 100% disabled because, like, you know, if, if you even snap your fingers around them, they're like, <gasps> yeah. And that, that is one little souvenir that I that I did pick up. I I, I can't stand being like surprised or startled. Well, because well, for, that meant your life. Yeah, because for fifteen months, a loud a yeah. loud bang yeah. meant that you meant that it could be over. You know. Yeah. So so even to this day, like you know, my kids, you know, they they think it's funny to try and like you know scare daddy. I'm like, nah, please yeah. don't do that. Yeah. Because you know, like my first reaction is sometimes is just to take a swing. You know. Yeah. yeah. But um. But yeah, like like you see in the movies or you hear about on the news, like that's the that's the worst of it. Well, I can't imagine. I'm, and obviously, this is a different situation, um, but you know, also not. Uh, we were watching a documentary on the Vegas shooting, mm-hmm. and you're just watching this crowd of people, and just like, I can't imagine, and hopefully, I never have to find right. out like what it's like to just literally just take on gunfire, <laughs> like. That scares the shit out of me. <laughs> As well it should. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, uh, I mean, I imagine in, in, you know, in the military, like some, you have to normalize that to some degree because you still have yeah. to remain focused and like. Anything beca- anything can <laughs> become normal if it happens to you enough. Yeah. Which, and, and that just goes for any experience, I think, in the, in the human condition at all. Yeah. You know, you, you see a fucked up thing enough times, it's, then after a while it's just like, oh, yep, there's a corpse. What is, what is it called? There's a word. Um reassimilating right is that the word Pro- yeah probably reassimilating into like reassimilating back into yeah like civilian yeah, life yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that, that's that's the word yeah well moving moving past that uh what is it like to have your first kid and become a dad that was fun um <laughs> it changes you i mean that that's a given i'm sure you've had other uh, people with, with kids on here yeah. who have uh, said that kind of thing well, it's funny as someone that's not a parent we talk about parenting a lot on this, on this show hey you know it's, it's, it's a big part it's of, of life in general you know yeah. but no, it was uh, it was it was pretty cool, you know. Um, you know, Megan was pregnant for nine months. I, I actually wasn't working at the time because I was, uh, you know, still transitioning out. We, uh, Damien was conceived actually right like right when I got out of the military. So, ironically enough, I, I was living with my dad in North Carolina at the time because you know okay. we were going to make a go of it down there, but then we came back home. So technically, I was jobless and homeless when we found out we were pregnant. <laughs> It's a so, good way to go so into yay. Uh, parenting. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. And then to celebrate, I had a six-pack of beer that night. And my, dad's, and my dad actually pointed out, he's like, son, I just want to you know, point out to you that you're homeless, jobless, and drunk after finding out your, your, your wife is pregnant. Um, are you okay? 
And I was. It was just, you know, it was a big shock, but I knew it yeah. was coming. I'd say the biggest thing, though, like when, because um, we had to do an emergency C-section because oh, da- okay. Damien got stuck. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. Like, you know, like the doctor straight up told us that, like, you know, if this had been like a like, like hundred years ago, they'd, they'd have both died. Oh, so, thanks, thanks, Doc. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thanks a lot for that. <laughs> but, uh, and I actually watched the C-section happen. So, oh. no, that was, it, it, it was, it was eerily interesting because, yeah. you know, it's, there's a lot. Yeah, no, that I'd, comes be, out there. I'd be super fascinated by that. People it, are grossed out by medical videos. I was like, yeah, but look, isn't that crazy? I know. That was, I actually thought it was cool. I'm like, well, if I can watch my wife get gutted, yeah. then I can, again, I can handle just about anything. Yeah. But then, you know, out pops Damien, you know, he does that first cry and I cried too. Because it was just like, oh, yeah. oh, my, like, oh my fuck. Well, that is a, <laughs> that is an emotionally high moment. Yeah. Like, well, because, because your kids are being born, your wife's being cut open, you're watching the whole thing. I know. And like, and the thing is, like, I, I felt so useless at that point because yeah. I've been helping her, like, you know, push and everything yeah. for the last 12 hours. But you're she, not a doctor. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But, um, no, and you know, I got to hold him, fed him his first bottle, and that was, like, that was an important, an important moment. But it didn't really actually really kick in until the day we left the hospital. Because before that, it's like you know, it still it hasn't sunk in yet. But then yeah. when like we're actually getting him in the in the the carrier, no one's helping you. And, and I'm like, <laughs> oh shit, he's coming back with us. Yeah, <laughs> like the nurses are here. I've been very helpful. We were at Crittenton, and I'm like, but now I got to do this. Yeah, isn't there a book I'm supposed to read or or, or something like that? It's like I think I think every parent probably feels that way at one yeah. point or another because. You you can try to prepare all you want, but really you learn as you go. And that's I think the most common thing. So yeah, I I, I, don't, I think everyone who's had kids will, will say that. Yeah. But uh, no, it, it was it was awesome though. I, I love being a dad. It's uh it's a big part of my identity. And I, how far apart are like when do you have your next? Uh, child? we did, we had Damien in uh tw- in 2011, and Eli came along in uh, 2013. Oh, so two it was years about two and a half years difference because okay. it was June of 2011, and then November. Of uh, 2013. I love Eli's birthday, actually, because it's the 5th of November. Remember, <laughs> remember. 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 Yeah. <laughs> yes, I know. That was awesome, actually. Cause, and because Megan had a C-section first, we couldn't do a natural birth for the second time around. We had to do a C-section, okay, so yeah. they scheduled it. And they, they're like, yeah, we'll get you in on November 5th. I'm like, sweet. <laughs> <laughs> See, I would have been like, uh, can we do October 31st? Uh, prefer a Halloween baby? Thank you. Um, well, Damien and I almost shared a birthday, so that would that would have been interesting. I know people. He's June third. Like I may I may thirtieth. So, yeah. Eli's. If I'm doing my math right, um, a couple of years after Eli's born, and you get divorced. Uh, actually, uh, like six months after he was born. Oh, okay. Yeah, that that kind so of things th- weren't going well before he was born. Well, I mean, without without airing anyone's dirty laundry, yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. I actually I got blindsided by it. Okay. I, I had no idea anything was wrong. Okay. And that's in the you know I'll I've had plenty of time to you know digest it now. Yeah. It takes two for for these things to fail. Yeah. Maybe I should have been more attentive. I mean, I don't blame myself, but I just, uh, she went to uh, Motor City Comic Con with an, an old friend of hers and a group of people. I mean, I knew the guy. Yeah. You know, I'd, I'd hung out with him before. And um, she came back and it was, it was it was like a switch got thrown. She was just like very, very distant and cold. And I'm like, oh shit, something happened. Yeah. And uh, then I know, and like, you know, she would go out, like maybe like two weeks after after that happened, we were like barely talking. And we had like one conversation where I'm like, hey, like I'm really feeling this like there's a distance growing between us. This has never happened before. What's going on? And it was it was kind of shitty because she was like she started mentioning like, oh, well, like you know, I, I'm not really a fan of how sometimes how angry you get with the kids, or like like, like little little like recent things, yeah, um, that are not marriage ending things, just think things to talk about with, yeah, yeah. with your partner. And then you know I'm like, all right, I got to do it. So one night she's in bed, I get her phone, I look at it. There it is, plain as day. 
her talking to this guy about, you know, me kicking me out of the house and everything. And I'm like, oh, shit, this is happening. And, uh, but I don't, I don't, and, you know, there was evidence of cheating on there too. Yeah. And, I, but I, and the funny thing is, I'd always said, I'm like, that's the one thing that I, I, I couldn't forgive because yeah. at that point, the trust is just gone. Yeah. It's never going to be the same after that. Um, but before that, we were talking, I was ta- asking her, like, right, let's go to marriage counseling. I was like, I really wanted to fix it. I liked being married, you know, it, it, yeah. it was nice. Um, having that feeling like you're with who you're supposed to be with. But, uh, but after that, you know, it was just, it was, it was Dunzil. So, um, are you a reader? Yeah. <laughs> There's a, I was asked that cause I like, I don't, I like audiobooks. I fucking hate reading books. I used to love reading them, but now I, I do, I do more audio cause I spend so much time in the car. Yeah. I've like written small novels as a side job, love writing, fucking hate reading. <laughs> I don't know what it is. It just like, I have to, uh, uh, I have to read like the same thing over and over and over and over before I like, mm-hmm. cause I'm like in my head um anyway not pertinent now but still a good uh a good good read and gave me a like a kind of a new perspective on relationships in general i talk about it all the time in this podcast but there's a book called state of affairs by esther perel she's i feel, a, I feel like i've heard of that she's a phd uh it's just it's i mean there's a, a large chunk of it is about like recovering from someone having an affair but the other part of it is like it goes into detail about relationships and like what we expect from marriage today as compared to like what we used to expect you know hundreds of years ago and how sometimes it's unrealistic and there's like certain boxes that you need to check like erica comes down here and is like look at all justin's nerd shit because like <laughs> i have to seek out you know other friends and stuff that are going to like appreciate the fact that i have ken jong's shirt on my wall <laughs> so there's just like certain boxes that that need to be checked by other people um and I won't get into it too much just because I talk about it on here all the fucking no, time. No, I got you. And I'll have to delete this whole section again because I, I literally have repeated myself too many times. But there's like a core three or four books that like have literally changed my perspective on, on life in general. And that was one of them. So I always recommend it. Um, no, I appreciate that. But, I, I, haven't, uh, I haven't been in a serious relationship since then. Yeah. And I, you know. Well, some, I imagine there's some trust falls there. That Well, I mean, it, it's, it's a combination of things. I mean, other friends of mine who have known me like, you know, since I was a kid. Yeah. Um, some of them have been like, you ever going to get back out there? Yeah. And I'm like, I don't really feel the need to. Yeah. I mean, I like the fact that I can just do what I want. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. But, uh, you know, at the same time, it's funny. I was at a funeral yesterday, uh, and my dad, and I was talking with my dad and he was talking about an old friend of his who, and this, this guy never got married at all or anything, but he's in, he's in his like, uh, early sixties now. And he's like, you know, calling my dad and he's like, Hey guys, come over and hang out. And then it's like, all right, but I got to leave at like seven thirty, you know? And so... <laughs> When he was talking about that, I was thinking to myself, oh, man, like, you know, because, yeah, like, if I want to hang out with my buds and, yeah. you know, when, when I'm that age. But then again, I'm, I don't mind, uh, you know, just hanging by my onesies either, so. Yeah, yeah I mean, to each their own. Um, and don't get me wrong, yeah. To I mean, each like, their I, own. I do, fo- I do focus heavily on being a dad. Yeah. Um, I, 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 I whoop my own ass to be as good a father as I can be when my kids are with me. Yeah. Uh, you know, during the weeks they are. And then the weeks they're not, I get to do what I want and focus on work. You know, I mean, you know, new business and everything. So yeah, it's a uh, it, yeah. I mean, we'll, we'll we'll see what happens down the line. I'm in no rush. Yeah, you know, I'm I'm not ancient. I'm only 35. Um, did your parents divorce? And it sounds like it was like you said, civil, and they were nice to each other and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, but did that as you became a parent, and especially when you got to the point where you were divorcing, was that something that motivated you to be an even better parent? Like, I guess so. I mean, it was always, I mean, I always wanted to, 
I don't know. I never really thought about doing it any other way. Yeah. Well, I think we all want to be like better than our parents were, right? Like, not that I our mean, parents were bad, but just right. we want to do I think, better. I think. No, I think I would. If anything, I modeled my own, my own, uh, my own, you know, fatherhood methods, whatever you want yeah. to call it. A- after my old man, I mean, he was like I said, he was good. Yeah. Um, good I, I will. I will. I will definitely be more in more involved in my boys life as they get older and start going out on their own like in their teenage yeah. years to make sure they don't do some of the dumb shit i did yeah <laughs> oh no dude because like, like so so many stories like you know that, that i could tell from my youth yeah end with me laughing going <laughs> oh i could have died yeah and i mean but i mean like really <laughs> yeah like I, I, I won't get into it here but like there was some dumb dumb shit that's how i summarized the two years yeah. i lived in la <laughs> i could have died <laughs> and but yeah i mean and it's just like you know God forbid, like, but the thought of losing one of my boys, like, I can't even, oof, I, I can't even. Like, yeah, yeah. I, I, I would be broken as a man. Yeah. Or so just, it's more uh, your own personal experience that you want to make sure that you're. Yeah, not I mean, and the thing direction. is, like, like, even my dad talked about like the hijinks he got into when he was yeah. younger, and he's and he's like, well, we we did all that shit too. We just didn't get caught like you did. <laughs> so, but I wouldn't I wouldn't want my boys to put themselves in dangerous situations like that. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm a bit of a hard ass. But not too much, and that kind of that kind of touches back to when like I had soldiers under my command too. Yeah, you know, it, it, there's actually a lot of similarities. You know, you have, you have to you know keep an eye on them. You know, make sure that they don't do anything stupid. Yeah, because this is, they, I imagine where your alertness comes into play. Oh yeah, no, dude, I, I don't miss I don't miss a damn thing. Yeah, you know, and and they're getting older. They're eight and six now, so like they're they're, they're trying to sneak sneak shit in there. They're scheming stuff. Oh yeah, like you know, turn the TV in the room on at night or sneak a tablet into bed or something. I, I catch them every time. Yeah, or maybe I don't, and I'm not that great. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm I'm pretty sure that I, that I they don't get away with much. But they don't try to. They're good. They're good boys. I I got really lucky. That's great. Well, I'm sure it's a reflection of you and their, their mom oh so. thank you <laughs> so congrats um what i mean what what else you got anything that we didn't talk about that you want to oh right now i'm actually in the middle of a big professional transition Ooh. I, so what did yeah what did you get into career-wise when you came back from military so i was uh, i was originally going to look into law enforcement okay. because the jobs are actually quite similar and a lot yeah, of yeah. a lot of the skill set can tra- can change over um d- didn't end up doing that uh, I was gonna I was gonna do that down in North Carolina. I'd actually started going on some ride-alongs. I was beginning the process, but you know I got a, I got a bit of a colorful past, so I had to kind of explain that. <laughs> but it it, it like it, it wasn't completely shut out to me. But uh, when we came back up here, the the market for you know becoming a police officer was just not there like it was down south. So I'm like, well, to hell with that. Um, I ended up doing uh, security work for Comerica, and then from there I went I was gonna try becoming a nurse. Okay. You know, medical field always kind of interested me too, and I feel like if I can watch my wife get gutted in front of me, then I can handle just about <laughs> anything. And then yeah, and like you know, like pee, poop, blood, all that stuff that didn't bother me. Yeah, yeah. But eventually, like I got about like halfway through the program and I dropped out of it because I realized that I wasn't doing it for the right reasons. Like you really like being in the medical field—that's a calling, dude. Like, yeah. you, like you have to really give a shit. And that is. And I was like doing it because oh, you know, I, I, I can I can handle the job. It pays fairly decent. You can move anywhere and do it. And yeah, if I get to help people, cool. Yeah. So I'm just like, what? I actually asked myself, I'm like, would I want someone like me working on a, a person I love? And the answer was no. And again, right then and there, I'm like, well, okay, so much for this. And uh, so an interesting opportunity came along, um, and I got into appliance repair, which is I, mean, I was never all that all that mechanically inclined. But I'm like, you know what? What is the complete opposite of wearing a suit to work every day? Yeah. 
And there's plenty of fucking trade jobs. Oh, yeah. And that's the other big thing, too. I mean, like, you always hear about it. Like, you know, no trades, you know, like there's not enough trades people out there. But at the same time, I don't know anybody who's actually trying to fill the niche. Yeah. So, yeah, I just just educated myself on how to do it. I started my own company. I mostly do, I subcontract mostly with with an old friend of my dad's, actually. He has, you know, he, I work 1099 for him. But, you know, I also, you know, schedule my own stuff on this side of town. That's cool. Yeah, I mean, I, I drove the work truck here today. I thought I saw, I was like, <laughs> I think he has a work van. Um, yeah, I can write off the mileage and the gas, dude. <laughs> <laughs> well, but that's um, cool. So yeah, I'm still nearly. I'm still at the beginning of that journey because uh, you know I've never owned. I've never owned a, a company before. Yeah, I is it better? Like, do you feel better having more hands-on stuff too? Yeah, I mean, it it feels good. Yeah, you know, like like again, like the first time I ever picked up a drill and I'm like, uh, I'm, I'm poking at it like yeah. a virgin trying to get in there for the first time. <laughs> um, and, but now it's just like, you know, just, yeah. it, it, and it feels, it feels good to have it, like, have a skill. Yeah. I guess you could say. I like doing tangible things too. Mm-hmm. It's one thing that drives me nuts about my job is, you know, if it's all computer based and you don't really see an end result. <laughs> no, I got you. Yeah. And then that, and that's, it's really satisfying too because I, I, I do like people. Yeah. I like to consider myself a people person. I'd say so. Yeah. When you, when you, when you look like, when you look like this, you have to have a personality, right? <laughs> um, my dad gave me that line too, actually. <laughs> So, Thanks, um, pops. Yeah, I know. He's a he's a great guy, but he fucks with me as as well. He should. It's fine. Um, I just lost. My, oh, yeah. So I always liked you know interacting with people as as far as anything, yeah. you know, professional or otherwise. So this one, I get to, you know people let me into their houses. Mm-hmm. I you know I, while I'm working on stuff or while we're you know talking about billing, I find out things about them. I, I, just so many great stories, and uh, just meet interesting people. Like I, I met yeah. a, I met a World War II paratrooper who had a piece of the glider that he rode in on on D Day. That's crazy. I know this motherfucker cut it out and it saved it, and he still has it. Yeah. And I'm like, this That's is awesome. a, I'm like, this is a piece of an actual World War II glider. What? The, like, you just, so you just you meet a lot of interesting people, yeah. hear a lot of interesting stories, and I, I can't wait to see where it's going to take me. That's awesome. I mean, I'm, th- I mean, I'm th- thinking long term. It's like, oh man, like you know, if this really takes off, I can actually have some real money in my pocket. You know, maybe get the kids involved. You know, when they get older. I mean, yeah. like, it, it it could be really so good. Um. So. Hopefully it uh, it keeps going the way it has. Got a lot of listeners in the area. What do you you want to plug yourself? Well, if you happen to need appliance repair, you can come talk to me at Papa Joe's Appliance Repair. I am located in several locations of Lake Orion, working on the east. Side. I'm going to stop doing the commercial thing now. <laughs> but no, Papa that, Joe's that, Appliance Repair. Papa Joe's Appliance Repair. Yep. Nice. That's yeah. I mean, I uh, it's funny because I relate to the beginning where you're like scared to look at an appliance, essentially, because. Uh, I, I consider myself, uh, I don't know, above average. I have a lot of tools. I don't know how to do a bunch of shit. Mm-hmm. But yeah, when it comes to like appliances, I'm like, yeah. <laughs> just, it's no. sort of because I like just taking the cover off something. I'm like, there's a lot of shit inside here. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, I've been I've been arms deep in some pretty. Gro- <laughs> I, I refer to them as science experiments. <laughs> like you, you pull somebody's fridge out and there's something living back there. It's oh, like. Yeah, yeah. Oh well, that's fun. I get to go lie. I get to go lie down in that. But I never. I mean, you know. Yeah. I. I. You know what? I'm not really afraid of getting dirty, and I'll close it out by telling you a, a funny story about that. <laughs> so, I don't usually tell war stories, but this one it's funny, so I don't mind. Fair enough. When I was over there, we were uh, you know, on a foot patrol, and for some reason, like there was this one stretch of road. This was outside the city. We were in like a little village. There was just nothing but literal cow shit Ew. everywhere like, like it was a carpet of it you couldn't escape it and you know we're, we're trudging through it you know just, ugh, this is this is nasty <laughs> gonna have to wash my boots later all of a sudden 
we, we hear incoming, and like, everybody else hits the deck, and I'm standing in the middle of, of, a, of a carpet of shit. And I'm like, <laughs> I actually did a quick double take. I'm like, Get, is there anywhere else I can fall? Nope. And I go, <laughs> and then just, you know, and just crawling in it like, oh, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. So it kind of relates to where I said you know, before, like, you know, a science experiment behind somebody's fridge gets yeah. the volume turned down a little bit when I remember that I literally crawled through a carpet of shit. Oh, uh, yeah. That'll do it. <laughs> that will. <laughs> and on that note. <laughs> yes. I think that's a good way. That's a good way to end it. Yeah. Carpet of shit. Well, uh, well, thank you, man. Thanks for sharing. And I appreciate you. you coming thank over. You. This was uh, this was a lot of fun. Yeah. I like doing it. <laughs> I know. It must be really cool actually being able to like just hear people's stories. And All right, you just listened to my interview with my friend Ryan. Uh, great interview. I, I I don't even think I knew about his mother when we started the interview, and I can't even imagine what it's like to go through that, especially at that age. And he's so candid about the stuff that he kind of dealt with and lashed out with um, at that time, and I really appreciate it. And the questions that he answered for me, I, you know, listening back, I wanted to delete some stuff because it just sounded ignorant, and, and I... I don't like sounding that way, but you know, I'm honest about it. There's stuff about, you know, the military and other subjects that I don't understand. And I like getting people's perspective on it to help myself get, uh, a broader perspective on it myself. Is that a sentence? I don't know. Uh, but I, I, I got a lot from this and I was really happy that he was willing to share as much as he did. So thank you so much, Ryan. I hope you guys like that as well. Uh, some people that do like this and have talked about it, a uh, review from Michelle, that's French for Michelle. Monday mornings are so much better now that I have this podcast to listen to on my way into work. I love how real and honest this is. Bravo. Bravo to you, Michelle. And Anthony Lakiri, one of my must-listen-to podcasts. Justin serves as a great host. Thank you. Highly recommended fantastic um and there's a there's a bunch more reviews on here on facebook you can see other reviews on the apple podcast app any reviews you want to leave i'm obviously super appreciative of that and if you're listening to this and you want to tell your story do not hesitate to reach out to me i i promise i'm very nice and receiving of, of messages uh you can reach me through facebook or instagram you can follow both of those at friend request pod or you can follow friend request jl on twitter and uh, reach out let me know what's going on guys i love talking to you and i love all the messages i'm getting and i would love to hear some more so i will talk to you next week which will be episode 26 which is officially the six month mark of when this started Whew! i smell a long-winded post coming thank you so much for listening i love you guys Please share the podcast with anyone you think might benefit from it, from each individual story. I recently heard someone was struggling with their child having uh, different gender identity issues, and they were recommended my episode with Truly, who has a non-binary child and talks about raising them. So please uh, continue to do that. That's the best thing I've ever heard is people getting stuff out of this Um other than me and that is why i do it so i will talk to you guys soon i love you thank you thank you thank you i'll talk to you next week